What's up y'all, this your boy B-Side. In this episode, I had an opportunity to speak with another full-time real estate investor, Marcus Daly. To talk about how he applied what he learned throughout all the years of corporate that's contributed to his success today. Lastly, I gained a new perspective on what it means when we say taking an L. As a reminder, on the B-Side channel, you'll also be inspired to pursue your passion and to live out your dream regardless of your path. But without further ado, let's get to the show. All right, y'all. Another episode of the B-Side. Remix your song, live out your dream. I'm your DJ, B-Side. And I got my guest here, Marcus Daly with Level Up. Let's go. I've been doing the air horn thing. I don't know. We probably get written up by now. I don't know. <laughs> at, some, at some point, we're going to. Hey, as a reminder, y'all, please make sure that you subscribe to my channel. Hit the notification for more videos. And if you like what you see, hit the like button. All right. So yep. let's go ahead and get started. So I know this brother through my wife, actually. Yep. And we met a few times, but I think there was only one time we like really talked. That was back in Vegas. I remember it was at the pool and it was in the morning time. And <laughs> I had no intention on drinking that early. And next thing you know is I'm hanging around with you. I got about four drinks. And that, I remember that, us talking. We had we possible. were talk we were talking about snitching. I remember that. I don't know how we went to that subject about how if we were living that life that we would be the worst thugs ever. We'll yep. be snitching on everybody. I don't know how we got into that, but that is true. Yeah, that is very true. It's very true. <laughs> but I think after that point, I'm like, okay, this this is a cool brother. You know what I'm saying? Like we cross paths and have few conversations here and there yep. in the past because it was a lot of it was a large group setting and a lot of times it was a lot of parties that you host. So we didn't really have time to like really kind of jail or whatever. Yeah. But after that time, man, I mean, we got cool, and I knew that you were into real estate, but after you know, hearing a little bit more about what you do, hearing your podcast, I was like, I got to have this brother on my show, and you know, he's the real deal. So, so my man, Marcus, tell us about Level Up Construction. So, and really, it's it's more. So, level up is well. Thank you for that that kind, 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 warm introduction. Um, so it really is is. So level up is really just the 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 piece of the contracting side, right? And contracting really is the piece of taking something that is. Hey, hey look what I got. Oh man, you got the nearest, the eighteen fifty six. It's gone now. It's gone now. Oh my lord. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm actually really proud of you that it's gone. Hey, you uh, know what? I'm sorry we we jumping off topic, but that's what it's we fine. here. Hey, another shout out to my man Marcus. Had it not been for him, I would have not known about this magnificent whiskey that 
I am indulging in, that I have consistently indulged in, in all of my podcasts. Not yep. only he recommended this whiskey. Hold on. Wait, I got to do the whole black Dana White thing. Um, not only he recommended this whiskey, my man gave me the whole backstory of this whiskey. It is black. It is a black-owned whiskey. Yep. And I think the CEO is a black woman, I believe. The CEO, yeah. The, so yes. she is the descendant of the of Uncle Nearest and the Nearest family. That is yes. correct. You know, it's a history, and, and I'm a bourbon guy. So I mean, I hell, I've 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 had a couple glasses of bourbon myself. So. Um, I can hear but you yeah, so, your speech so, a little bit too. Which is like I can hear you slurring your speech a little bit too. That's so why I, I probably shouldn't shouldn't have a, another <laughs> cup. So, so yeah, so so about you know level up and and what it is that I do. So basically, you know, level up is the contracting brand of um, really turning something that's nothing and turning it into something, right? And so I'm I'm the true essence of you know, a contractor and a developer that takes, you know, some of the most, you know, dilapidated properties and turn them into something beautiful. And, and really that's something that's always been a passion of mine. Um, I had a background in um, development and, and architectural engineering, um, you know, operations and information management. And so I kind of took everything that, that I love and, and really conglomerated it into what it truly means in, you know, the business world. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so all, all things considered, um, Level Up is the brainchild of everything that I love to do and my team really, um, and, and, and we really built the team around um, taking something that's nothing to turn it into something beautiful. Uh, but but outside of that, you know, there's the contract side and then there's the investment side. Uh, they're kind of two distinctly different worlds. Uh, but but the 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 reality is, I mean, this is something that I've always just wanted to do. It's always something that I've been passionate about and it's something that I love to do. And if you know, they say if there's something that you would do for absolutely free, do it. And this is one of those things that, you know, if I didn't make a dime from it, then I would still. I would still do it. I mean, there's deals that I do that don't even make a, a ton of money, but I, I just still do them just because I have a passion for it. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you hear that a lot is if there is something that you love doing, it really wouldn't matter how much or how little money that you make. You would just do that, it. That's correct. And, that, that, and that's very true. That's very true. And that's why I commend like what you're doing with your podcast, the B side, you know, it, it, it's something that you love, right? It's your passion. It, it's something that's that's your brainchild, and I think we we have just a genuine love for um, embracing something that is our true nature, right. um, something that we truly and genuinely love, and we love to just create because I, I I believe that we're just in our true essence we're creators we're we're people that that love to just give our best to this this world and without you know being able to contribute to this world it's like well what does our life really mean. Right. You know, we we go six feet under at the end of, of our life. And, and, and again, brother, I, I appreciate, you know, the support. And yeah, absolutely, man. This is something that that I'm passionate about. And I've said in my last podcast, this is actually me getting back to something that I felt that I should have done a long time ago. So yep. when I was in college, I did college radio. I was a DJ and stuff like that. This is my way of 
tapping into that passion at the same time living vicariously through you all, through maybe something I should have did a long time ago. And I want people to walk away being inspired to do the same thing. Because I'm going to tell you, man, another thing, another epiphany I had was I'm going through Ancestry.com. So this whole COVID thing gave me a lot, a lot of free time. And I was spending time doing Ancestry.com. And I'm looking up ancestors where they're sharecroppers, farmers, sharecroppers, farmers, you know, and, of course, slaves. And then I'm thinking, you know, if we didn't have racism, if we didn't have slavery, who's to say out of those farmers and those sharecroppers could have been scientists, lawyers, doctors, that maybe by now we could have had a cure to COVID or to AIDS or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And so we live in a free country. We're not entirely there where we need to be on an equal basis, but free enough where we have the free will to explore almost anything that we want, as long as we're not obviously hurting our community. So again, I, I thank you for that, man, and I appreciate the support. So how long have you done the, you know, the investment side and the construction side? Well, it, looks, it sounds like it works synonymously. So how long have you been doing that? Um, so the investment side was really, that started probably when I got right out of school. And so, um, so I would say that was around like 23, 24. Okay. And the way that worked was I just really wanted to get started and to really get into the, uh, the real estate, the real estate game, I guess that's what you want to mm -hmm. call it. And really that was. Me saying, hey, I know I want to do this, but um, I don't know really how to approach it. And so I knew I wanted to invest. I knew I wanted multi-units. I knew I wanted to design and I wanted to develop. But I didn't really know how that would really work. And so, um, so really, I just started for lack of a better term, just trying things, trying things, trying things, trying things, and kind of shooting darts at all different types of strategies. And so I did a flip, I did a buy and hold, I did something that was kind of in between where it was like, all right, I'm gonna hold this for just a couple of years. And then I, I had an exit strategy tied to it. And so it was like, you know, I I didn't really know. You know, I and you know, and, and that's the thing I would would say to a lot of like people who are pursuing their passions and their dreams, I would say sometimes you just got to pursue things not knowing how it's going to end, mm -hmm. right? You just got to go and start. And then once you start, you can you can say to yourself, all right, I will make tweaks and adjustments along the way, but you got to at least go. Mm -hmm. And so that was how I started, right? Mm -hmm. So I was in corporate. And then while I was in corporate, um, I did a development here and there, here and there, here and there, here and there. This is while at the same time you're investing, right? That is correct. Okay. That's correct. So while I'm in corporate, I'm doing a project and, and it just kind of went back and forth between I'm burning the candle at both ends. And, you know, I kept what it, there's a, what's called a weed and feed strategy, right? You, you weed out what doesn't work and you feed the things that do. Right. And so, so that was all I did. I just kept shooting darts everywhere. And at that time, again, when you in your 20s, you can kind of get away with the whole, well, 
I'm going to just try everything. I'm going to learn as much as I can, try everything and, and take it from there. That was what I did. And so that kind of manifested itself over time to say, all right, well, these are the things that I like and these are the things that don't I don't like. And so it, it came a, it became a kind of school of hard knocks kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And so as time progressed, you just kind of say, all right, well, this is the direction that works best for me. Um, you know, I didn't like, I had, I had multi-units that I kept. And so I was a a landlord for a while, but I didn't really like the day-to-day management of rental properties and all that stuff. And so I was like, all right, well that, uh, I'm going to get out of that space for now. And then I'll pursue, you know, rehabbing and renovating because that's what I really enjoy doing because there's so many dilapidated properties out there. Let me just go ahead and pursue those and let me um, get those under my belt, get the experience, get the knowledge. And then after about two or three, it just kind of kept growing, 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 growing. Mm. So and then you kind of you also want to develop your team and develop your 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 knowledge base. And it it just became a real learning experience. And Mm. so, you know, I took the kind of business side of what I learned in corporate and then I took the, the, the construction side which is kind of like, you know, the very hands-on piece. And I just really combined the two. And then once you combine the two, it became this like, you know, this marriage of um, this is what works. And this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. And let's just feed this. And then it just kind of took off from there. So I like how you said you took what you learned from corporate and applied it to what you're passionate about. And with all of my episodes, that is one of many things that are in common is that people will do their corporate job, their corporate career, yep. and they learn things from that. And once they go to the next thing, they use that to what they're passionate about. Right. And I bring that up again because there are folks that are in a position whether you know whatever job that they're at whatever company that they're working for and they may feel whatever how they feel they may not like where they're at they may feel bored they may feel whatever but learning from all of my guests and even from my own experiences i always say that there's a means to an end or in faith terms all things work together for the good. So if someone is at a job where, again, they don't like it for whatever reason, or they just feel lethargic, I always encourage folks, take advantage of whatever opportunities that are there in front of you. If you feel that you're, even if you're, if you feel that you're underpaid or whatever, or even if you're, you know, if your boss is a jerk or whatever, if there's like some professional development course you could take or some kind of training or whatever, Take advantage of it. Or maybe there is a contact there or, or, or somebody there who is going to probably lead you to something else. And just take advantage of it because as long as you stay true to what you know what you want to do, it'll eventually work out. So right. I, I, I wanted to point that out as I do in yep. every single show because that is the one of many things in common that comes up in all of my interviews. 
So one thing that you mentioned, you said that you tried a whole bunch of things and you learned through what you say, school of hard knocks. Yeah. So my question to you is out of that pro during that process of throwing a whole bunch of things at the wall to see what sticks, um, have you experienced losses? And if you oh, have, wait. how did you overcome that? So you, there's always going to be losses, right? And well, I, I think there's always going to be losses. There's going to be any, and I would even apply this to you, but I, I apply this to anyone. You know, the more things you try, the more probability is that there's going to be some level of failure along the, the path. Right. And right. so, you know, you'll, you'll try 10 things and maybe, you know, seven of them will fail. And that's totally fine, right? And so you you so in my specific case, uh, you know the first you know the first four or five real estate deals that I did, they didn't they weren't highly profitable. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, out of the four or five, I probably say like two or three of them actually lost money, or I I broke even probably on, on one of them and lost on two. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would I for my personal testimony, I you know, I took a lot of losses and, you know, I was a part of that whole or, you know, 2008 foreclosure crisis and all of that. Oh, I stuff. know that all too well. I was in the mortgage industry and I lost my shirt. Go ahead. There you go. And so I lost my pants. So between your shirt and my pants, you know, we lost a lot. Right. Well, we got but, his drawers and socks. Right. So that's all we have was drawers and socks. Right. But the, the reality is like, I mean, I think we had to learn a lot from that experience. Right. Um, and, and, but but in in all you know in all reality i think that was a part of the journey to understand what not to do so you right. either you know there there's a common saying that you either you either win or you learn mm. you know but you know you don't really lose anything right so you either you know you win that's this is like what, what oprah said that aha moment you put on on twitter i ain't gonna put it on twitter but yeah put it somewhere in my head either you win or you learn. I like that. Yeah. So and, and so a loss is never really a loss. It's really it really is a lesson, right? And so I don't I don't prescribe to, you know, somebody saying, "Man, I took an L." I'm like, well, the L was a lesson, not a yeah. loss. Woo. You know, in the I mean, that's just reality because Damn. I mean, and and even if you're still in your 20s. You know, in your 20s or even in your early 30s, you have so in, even in your 40s, you've got so much runway left that if you if you tried enough things, you can kind of say to yourself, well, I learned from that. I can keep going. I can develop off of that. Or I could build off of that. And so, you know, dialing it back to your original question about um, corporate America and the lessons that you learn from corporate that, you know, Essentially, there's a lot of things that you can learn in the corporate space that it teaches you about life lessons. I, I, Absolutely. I, I learned a lot about accounting, financing, operations. I learned about people management. I learned about how to manage staff. Um, I learned how to you not know, learn work ethic. I learned, you know, what the bottom line, you know, the bottom line that matters. You know, mm -hmm. and I, you know, there's there's so many. I learned about investor relations. I learned about corporate travel, corporate spending. You know, it, it, like there was so many th there's so many things that come along with yes. the business of business that you have to take away those lessons and say, well, you know, some people would be like, well, man, I spent that time in corporate America, but I didn't really learn anything. That's actually not true. 
That you is take a lot of things from corporate and America. You, or you choose not to learn anything from corporate America. Right, or you were there just not paying attention. Or not, right? exactly, exactly. Yeah, so if you just were there and not really paying attention to what's going on around you, that's a different story. But, you know, there's a lot of things you can learn from corporate America, especially if you had to manage a team, if you had to manage budgets, if you had to manage projects. You know, there's a lot of things that come along with corporate America that, you know, you take those out into the entrepreneurial space that really do teach you about how to operate and manage your business. Right. So that that's that's what I would take away from from corporate. There's no there's no right or wrong answer uh, because there's a lot of people that go into entrepreneurship without any real corporate training. They don't know how to manage people. They don't know how to manage finances. They don't know how to manage operations. Right. So they don't. So when they start to get teams or when they start to get people into their staff, they don't really know how to manage a person. They don't know how to manage a process. They don't know how to manage a project. You know, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes along with, you know, corporate America that you really can transfer to the entrepreneur space. Man, I can't get over the other thing that you said about taking L's. You said the L. What I got from that is like when someone say I took an L, well, that's based off of perspective. Either yeah. Your L is going to be a loss or your L is going to be a lesson. So there was a, so in your podcast, you meant there was a quote that you said that you, you got some quotes, dude. You, 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 you may not know that you, you got some, you, you drop some, <laughs> you, you some gems, bro. So okay. you, you said, you said something, this is what you said. And I quote Marcus Daly, wealth looks like something you don't want to do. What does that mean? So a lot of people look at wealth as money. And wealth is really a lifestyle. And so one of the things that are what I, I consider is a, a misunderstanding about wealth is Wealth is a continuous process of growth, and it takes a lot of work to build wealth. So wealth has this like base of financial principles, discipline. It takes consistency. It takes um, adjustments along the way that a lot of people just don't understand that it's not an overnight process. And so when you, you look at even, again, in your case, I'll tie it back to you. When you look at a podcast, everybody starts with zero followers, right? When we're all put on this earth, we have zero dollars, right? No matter, I mean, maybe you got a trust fund or something like that. That's cool that, you know, if, if that's what your life is. But most of us start with zero. And then wealth, wealth really requires work. And it means that you have to, put in the time, the effort, and the consistency to build off of the little that you have. Mm -hmm. So even if you were given a, a, a bad hand, you know, as I'm, you know, if I'm in, you know, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in a room full of people, then there's a hundred people in the room, you know, uh, 90 of them could be talking about absolutely nothing that is aligned to what my goals are. But there could be 10 people in that room that really have something that's really aligned to my personal goals and mission. And it's up to me to discern who can I talk to 
and collaborate with to help to grow collectively in that space, not spend 90% of your time with these 90 people that aren't in the space that you're trying to go to. So that's why wealth is just work. It, it, it really, it really is, you know, and, you know, at some point it does start to just grow on top of each other, mm-hmm. but you have to put the foundation in at first to at least say, all right, this is where I'm going, or this is where I want to go. And these are the steps that I'm going to do to get there. So does that include, again, going off of your last podcast, does that include picking up dead cats and dead squirrels? It does actually. So you actually do this or you have? Well, I have. So when I first started, that's, that's a good, good call out. So when I first started doing rehabs, you know, I had to do the work that nobody else wanted to do and nobody else was willing to do. And, and actually a lot of wealth comes from finding those little pockets and those little spaces that no one is willing to go in. So when everybody goes left, you have to be willing to say, man, well, maybe there's an opportunity when I go right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. because everybody's going in that direction, there may not be a lot of opportunity in that direction left because it's such an oversaturated space. Versus when you go the other direction, you could say, all right, well, if everybody wants to go up, there has to be something left down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so and and I'm not a I'm, I'm not a big, you know, follow the crowd and follow, you know, where everybody's mm-hmm. going just because mm-hmm. when everybody goes there, it's like, well, shit, everybody already went there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's going in that direction. I, I don't want to fight with 90 people over there. I'd rather fight with 10 people over here right um i'm gonna stop i'm I'm gonna pause there too and another thing that's consistent with my last guest kurt williamson uh we went to college together and he went to school for uh community uh communication and broadcast and now he's doing big things now he's uh behind the trailer of um beyonce's netflix show he's behind uh he did a uh, project with Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton. Like, he is the big deal, big, big deal. But how this started was back in college on the very thing that you just said. So he was part of what is called Black Student Associations, and they were responsible for bringing in concerts, events, and things like that. Usually those concerts were concerts for black folks, Common, Roselle, Crucial Conflict at the time. What Kurt did and he actually got kicked out of Black Student Association for doing this. Kurt brought in white acts to black folks, Third Eye Blind, uh, some real big-time alternative bands. And that was because he wanted to align with MTV coming on campus at the time because he knew he had the big picture. He wanted to get an internship at MTV to help him make those moves. So... He was bringing in Third Eye Blind. He got a lot of hate from black folks. And I was one of them. I admitted to him. And he got kicked out. However, what ended up happening is, well, he got in good with MTV. Things happened along the way. And that's where he's at right now. And so, which is very similar to what you're doing. Going outside of the box, right? Everyone wants to go this way. Everyone is in this one little expected predictable box. Yeah. But you need to go outside of the box to see the big picture. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And I and again, the I'm, the more and more of these interviews I'm 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 being a part of, or the more of these interviews that I'm doing, 
these are like the interesting similarities that that I, I like to call out. So I just think uh, that's as interesting. You bring that up. Yeah. Um. So I had a question I was going to ask you, and then this Uncle Nearest just kind of kicked in <laughs> a little bit quicker. It's all so, good. To my listeners and also to my interviewee, my line of questions and my line of responses get less and less intelligent when I start drinking. So it, I'm, it, just start, it, I'm letting you know that right now. Uh, no, there was a actually. Yeah. So let me go here. I'm intelligent enough to ask this question. All right. OK, I'm, I'm, still I'm, listening. I'm, I'm still here. So I'm sure this is a challenging business. Yeah. And I know there are some, you know, some financial challenges or whatever challenges. How do you deal with that? How, what keeps you going? Like what keeps you staying the course? I'm sure there's some, you know, some, some financial uh, risks that might be involved. I mean, I'm on the outside looking in, I'm, I'm assuming. And if that's not the case, certainly yeah. correct me. And, you know, considering the fact that, you know, you got a family and everything like that, your average Joe, would probably more than likely take the safe comfort route and like, yeah, I don't want to take that risk because I got a family. I don't want to let my wife down and my son wants to GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip, you know? So yeah. I just want to kind of stay <laughs> in this lane. You might be too young to know exactly what I'm talking about, but that's uh, right. I'm, I'm 40 years old, man. I've, I've had a GI Joe with the Kung Fu Okay. And also, if you've seen Trading Places with Eddie Murphy, you know what I'm talking about, too. My, one of my favorite movies. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So how do you deal with that, man? Um, actually, the, the thing that most people, you know, is their safety net is the thing that actually made me go harder, right? And so, you know, I, I think, you know, at some level, you know, your legacy is what should motivate you mm. to go outside of that comfort zone. And so, you know, when you look at, you know, your children, you know, I don't I didn't specifically want my my family or my kids to look at me, you know, as a nine to fiver because I don't like I didn't like who I was as a nine to fiver. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's just that's just me. I don't, I'm not knocking a nine to five because there's a lot of great, you know, a lot of great people that work in a nine to five space. Yeah, but, and, and we're certainly not knocking nine to five, and and uh, you know I've mentioned that in my last, uh, my other episodes is that you know your passion might align up to the nine to five or to the corporate job. Maybe you're meant to be a CEO or whatever position, and maybe your calling is to be in the nine to five space. And by the way, a lot of the owners and founders of these nine to fives all started as entrepreneurs. By the way. So absolutely, absolutely. Right. Entrepreneurs create nine to five. Exactly. Exactly. Create <laughs> um, opportunities. Yep. You know, so as I sit in, you know, as I sit in a cigar shop, you know, and, 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 you know, I look around, you know, a lot of the people here, you know, it's a, it's a mixture. It's a mixture of people that do nine to fives, but it's a mixture of entrepreneurs Sure. that, you know, is, is really, you know, you, people really craft what it is that works best for them because you know your work, you may know your work ethic, maybe you don't, but like, not you specifically, but people know, you know, what it is that they're, they're passionate about and what they're capable of and what their mm -hmm. strengths and their weaknesses are. I think that happens over time with age, but 
you know, in my case, you know, as as I'm sitting in the nine to five, I looked around and was like, I can't give this to my kids. I can't pass this down to my grandchildren. I can't I can't say, all right, well, here's, you know, X, Y, Z company. Here you go, son. Here you go, Summer. You know, here, here, here you go. So, you know, but in reality, I can at, at minimum say, all right, well, this is something that I built. Maybe I won't be the next Hilton or the next Nike or the next, you know, whatever. But, you know, in my own little way, you know, my my company, you know, can can give some kind of generational wealth that when I'm dead and gone, if I die tomorrow, I could at least say, all right, well, I built this here. Here it is. Continue to, to you know, continue to marathon and carry the torch. You know, I couldn't do that, you know, in my nine to five. I couldn't pass the job down. I couldn't, you know, give them, you know, my career that I worked so hard for. But I could give them something that, you know, that I built from the ground up and just kind of pass it down. And you swap out the name and say, all right, well, here you go, guys. This this is this is for you. Continue to grow it. One of my one of my first mentors was a was a pastor of a church in Bronzeville. I'll leave his name and the particulars out of it. But sure. um I watched from from birth, actually, up until probably about high school age, a pastor that that mentored me. And, you know, he always talked about generational wealth. He always talked about passing mm. down legacy. That was and, the key word I was looking for is generational wealth when you were talking about passing down a legacy. Go ahead. That was the thing I was are. thinking and, about. Yep. You know, and so and so one thing that that I always noticed with him was, you know, it was it was a grandfather, uh, a father, you know, a son, and then, you know, his his sons. And just over the course of, I'm 40 now, but over the course of, at that time, over the course of like 20 years, I noticed how, you know, that, that pastor passed the church down to his son. But outside of the church, they also had interest in real estate and development all around the church. Mm-hmm. And so they, over time, Literally, they they picked up one property by the church, the next one by the church, the next one by the church, and they literally ended up owning the whole block. And then now, today, they own not only that whole block, but they own pretty much the, the surrounding area. And then they took that whole business model and they went to a whole other city, and then they went and built the whole city around this whole business model. Mm. But again, that, that legacy started with the grandfather from when, again, I was from well before I was born and I heard the stories and I heard the legend about this, this man from, you know, 50, 60 years before I was born. And I just look at, you know, from the 1940s up until, you know, 2020, just how that legacy just grew so much over the course of like, you know, let's just say 80 years mm. that I'm just like, wow, why, you know, why can't I be that same person for, you know, the daily family, the daily legacy? And so that, that you know, I, I, I aspire to be that in, in my own little way, you know, whether my kids, you know, whether our kids embrace it or not, I think that's a whole different story. And, and that's a whole different podcast. But um, I think we have to have some type of, you know, effort that that's put towards passing down something that's built for generations that come after us. I love the fact that you said what motivates you is legacy. I mean, like I said, it's, I'm, I'm, it's, 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 I get a whole lot from these. I, I learn from every single one of these episodes. And 
when I hear that, when you say what motivates you is legacy, I think about, well, when you think about the possibility of losing money or possibly going broke, I think about, okay, well, you can lose money, but you can also gain it back. But you only have one life to have a legacy. That's so correct. I, that is, that's, that's awesome, man. Because some people don't like the inconsistency of entrepreneurship. I mean, entrepreneurship, it truly is you eat what you kill, right? And so in, that sp in, in the entrepreneurial space, you have to constantly be on top of everything. So it's, mm. and, I, and I, I tell people all the time, like I was talking to somebody here at the, the, you know, at the cigar shop or whatever. And I was like, well, what I do isn't a nine to five. This is 24 seven. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really stop. It, it never, there isn't really an off button. There really isn't a decompressing moment where you, or you, you have to create your own work-life balance is, but it's not a, it's not a, well, all right, it's five o'clock, I'm done, and I don't have to do anything again until Monday at 9 a.m. Mm. It doesn't work like that. You know, so just like the same way you're doing your podcast, you you may do it at eight, eight nine o'clock at night. You know, you may do it on the weekends. You may do it at six o'clock in the morning. Like, it, right. it really doesn't have a chill. And so entrepreneurs, there's this certain, like, almost like code that we never really stop. Like, you know, Steve Jobs never stopped. You know, Bill Gates never really stopped. You know, Warren Buffett never really stopped. You just kind of, you know, Elon Musk. You know, you think about some of the, the best to do it. Um, you know, they, there isn't really a, a chill button. Okay. <laughs> you know, the higher you right. go and the higher you ascend, the more there is a level of responsibility to your staff, your business, your team, um, but also to your family, right? And so right. you have to, so the higher you go, the more you have to say, all right, well, this, yeah, I do this thing 24-7, but now I have to carve out time to make sure I'm taking care of these things that are my family, that are my intrinsic values, my health. You know, I'm taking care of my personal finances because I built this business up and I forgot about, you know, taking care of my own stuff, you know? And so they, there's just this constant, like, this constant grind that, it's easy to get no offense. It's easy to get sucked sucked up in it because there's it, it doesn't really end. Right. So business and, and Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban had this quote um, where he was like, you know, business is the only place where there's always something to do. And, you know, in business, there's somebody always out there that's better than you, that's faster than you, that's bigger than you, that's out there trying to kick your ass. Mm -hmm. And so you say to yourself, you know, well, how can I be the best? How if you if you want to be the best? Like some people don't want to be the best. You know, they say, well, in my in my space, in my sector, how can I be the best? How can I do it better than anybody else that does it? You know, how can I be the best podcast? You know, how can you know how can the B side, you know, be better than the Breakfast Club? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so you kinda, you know, how can it be better than Drink Chance? How can it be better than Earn Your Leisure? How can it, you know, you you kind of have to say what differentiates you from everybody else to be right. the, the biggest and best of what you are and what you do. Right. And so that's really what entrepreneurship is. I, I do want to ask one last question and then sure. uh, I'll wrap it up because I think it's important. So you, you mentioned on how being an entrepreneur, it's a 24 seven job, if you will. 
Yep. And, you know, of course, there is a part where you have to have balance for yourself and for your family. Yep. Now, the thing that I notice about you, man, is like when we get together and, you know, we hang out and, you know, you're a fun dude, man. Like, I don't see a sense of stress or anything. And and I know folks that even in a party setting, you can tell that they're stressed out. You can yeah. tell that they're stressed out about the coming Monday coming up or something, some demand yeah. they cannot meet at that time. And you can tell in a party setting with you. Yeah. I cannot tell that. I cannot yeah. tell that you have so many responsibilities. So yeah. how do you keep your cool, man? Like, how do you maintain that, you know, mentally, man? I'll give you a whole I'm gonna give you a whole bunch of things. I'm going to give you a long ass answer and then you can chop this up how you want. All right. Um, number one, you got to have faith that it'll work itself out. You know, if you have a good team, you know, if, if you have a great team that's that's in place, you know, there's a level that you want to micromanage, but then there's a level of trust. Right. And so if you have a great team that you've worked so hard to build, develop uh, relationships with, you have to have a level of they got it. It'll be fine. You're stressing too much about it because I went through that phase for a very long time, mm. which is not healthy. Right. So there's a level of you have to be able to say at some point, my team, they got it. You know, they, they have it um, and, and it'll be fine. Uh, number two is um, you can't sweat the small stuff and you have to be able to discern. I, I, it took me a long time to discern what mattered and what didn't. And I stressed mm. both. Right. I stress the small and the big stuff. And so I had to come to terms with, all right, that's small. You don't have to worry about it or it can wait until Monday. And then there's the level of, OK, this is something that's that requires your immediate attention. And again, your team kind of helps you with that and you kind of help them filter through. Don't call me unless X or don't don't notify me unless Y. You know what I mean? Right. So that that happened. Um, the other piece is just age, man. And so with age and maturity comes, you know, even if the building catches on fire, you have you have things in place like insurance and you have, you know, you, you got things that say, all right, well, if, if sugar went to shit tomorrow, can you rebuild it? Yes. But chances are after doing it so many times, you say, all right, it hasn't happened in the last 13 projects. Chances are it's not going to happen on number 14. But if it does, you have guardrails in place to, mm -hmm. to mitigate that. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, man, just uh, well, two things. So then there's just your I'm, I'm a faith based guy. So you just your faith in God, man. So so at some level, you just got to have faith that, man, listen, I'm here and I'm present in this space. When I'm with mm -hmm. Brent, I'm with Brent and I'm in Vegas and we're drinking. Enjoy this yes. moment. Yes. You know, enjoy yes. this moment because. Once I get back to Chicago, I don't get that moment with you back. Right. right? And so I, it took me a while to realize that when I'm on vacation, you do the essence of the root word of vacation, which is you're mm -hmm. vacating. Right. Yes, you're yes. vacating. Right. Whatever you were dealing with and you're leaving that space. I never heard go, of vacation that way. I like that. Vacating. I mean, but I like that's that. what the root word yeah. of vacation is. You're vacating. You're right? yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're leaving. You're leaving that behind to go essentially remove yourself from that situation to go be a part of another situation, right? right. And so that, that really matters. And so when you think about 
even in the smallest world, when you're at a, a bar, you're at a cigar shop, or you're at a, you know, you at a, you know, even if you go, you know, sit in your car for five minutes, you're vacating and you're decompressing, you're taking away from all of the things that are happening around you to really center yourself around what really matters. Then the last piece is, I, I, I mean, I just like to have a good time, man. And, and I like to appreciate life. And, you know, and at the age of 40, you know, you kind of say to your, well, you kind of say to yourself, we only have a fixed amount of time on earth, right? So when you just think of time, right? From birth to death, I don't know when my last day is, right? We never know when our last day is. And so my, you know, in my head, I'm going to make it to 80. And so, you know, when you hit 40, you say, okay, well, shit, this is my halfway mark. And so I have 39 and three quarters of years left before I leave this earth. And so you have to, so then I say to myself, well, how do I want to spend those last 39 and three quarters of years on this earth? Right. And so I, I, I kind of take that with me because we don't know when life is promised because my last day could be 60. It could be 50. It could be 70. I don't know. But when you, when you look at life that way, you look at time differently. And time says, appreciate every minute, moment, second, and hour because you don't know how much you have left. And I don't know when's the next time. Like when I'm with you or when I'm out, I don't know when's the next time I'm going to be able to go to Vegas and have drinks with you and build a relationship with you. I don't know when's the last time I'm going to be at the cigar shop. I don't know when's the last time I'm going to be with my kids. You just don't know, right? And so you have to kind of take that well, I take that to heart. And I and and I think the older I get, the more time becomes more precious and more valuable. And that's a long-winded ass answer, but that's just the reality of it. You I just don't buy the time you have. I love it, man. Well, first off, we we're gonna decree that you're gonna live longer than 80. And uh you're gonna live. Oh, long, I'm good with 80. I long, at past 80. I don't I don't really care. Long 80. prosperous life. <laughs> That's, that's yeah, I mean, if I'm healthy, agree. if I'm healthy at 80, I'm fine. But like, you know, after that, I kind of said to myself, you know, at 80, uh, I've seen that. I've seen it all. I've done it all. I've been everywhere and I've, I've, I've drank everything that's be drank. I need I've been everywhere, <laughs> I need to, everywhere I need to go. I've driven every car. I've done everything. So at that point, you know, it, there's just not a lot left after a certain point in time where it's just the law of diminishing returns. It's like, all right. What more are you discovering at 81 that you haven't discovered from birth to 80, right? And so, hey, I, I'll welcome it. Hell, if I live to 100, great. But I don't know, from 80 to 100, it's like, well, what what more did you really discover at that point? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, like you said, we take it one day at a time. Yeah, and, man. I mean, it's biblical, man. I mean, it says take no thought for tomorrow. You know what I mean? So, and I enjoy you being with me tonight out of your busy schedule. Yep. And I appreciate the support, man. I support. Uh, su see, that's what I'm talking about. See, I, I switched over. I, I ran. I, I went over here. So you went from you went from nearest to bullet. That's cool. Because I ran out of nearest. So that, hey, it happens sometimes. It happens to the best of us, man. And I'm gonna make sure that I don't miss my tagline at the end of my show. So, my man. I appreciate your time, brother, out of your busy schedule. Before I wrap up, as a reminder, please subscribe to my channel for more yes. videos. Yes. Hit the notification. And if you what like you what you yeah, saw, like. hit the like button. Uh, <laughs> in the right. It's, it's somewhere somewhere down here. Yes. <laughs> hey, I'm your DJ, DJ B-Side with my man Marcus. And hey, man. 
this the B-side. I, I see. I, I can't remember my slogans because I had so many to drink. All oh right. my God. Part two. Take, I take two. For you, but it's your no, no, I got it. Take two. I am B-side. I'm here with my man, Marcus. This is the B-side show. Remix your song. Live out your Let's go. Let's go, man. Hey, hopefully y'all been inspired just as much as I have in my conversation with Marcus. But most importantly, thank you for your support and thank you for watching.